It's time for Ask Dale Anything, the show that answers your most perplexing questions with profound answers from one of the top transformational teachers and leaders on the planet, Dale Halloway. I'm your host, Mickey Manning, Dale's left-hand person, as I like to call it, and I've never heard a question that he can't answer. He's been doing this for over 40 years now, and he truly has an answer that's profound and helpful on any topic. So with that, let's get into today's question. This question was emailed in by Sean. And, you know, hey, I just want to take a moment to remind everybody, too, that you guys can email your questions in as well. If you have a question, please submit it to askdale at askdaleanything.com. Just email it in to askdale at askdaleanything.com. So now let's get into our question that was emailed in by Sean. Sean says, I feel I've lost my social skills after a year of isolation and unemployment over this past year. I've had, I've had little interaction with anyone and I'm overwhelmed by the idea of crowds or talking with people one-on-one. I know I need to find a job and to socialize more, but these things seem pretty impossible right now. How do I find it within me to have confidence or to put myself out there in those situations to be social and more outgoing again? Uh, Great question, Sean. Uh, Partly just because it's so uh, time, time related or time perfect in light of what's going on among all of us right now. Um, So, you know, you might think of this as like riding a bicycle that years ago when we learned how to ride a bicycle and then we stopped riding a bicycle and many years passed by and then the opportunity presents itself or the invite presents itself to ride a bicycle again. And, you know, we might find ourselves a little nervous or a little anxious um to get back on that bicycle or i suppose if we want to really ramp it up consider a motorcycle you know i remember even with myself uh years ago i used to ride motorcycles and i was a fairly confident rider uh, but then i left riding for gosh a number of years had passed and then i had an invite from one of my dear friends in california uh he has two uh, large motorcycles and uh, he wanted to go for a ride, and he thought it'd be kind of a cool thing for him and I to spend the day together riding. Well, I hadn't uh, rid a, or rode a bike for, at that point, probably a good 25 years. And so I was a little hesitant at first, uh, you know, and then it just kind of dawned on me, because I've taught this before in other applications. Wait a minute. I used to ride a bike, and I could do things with a bike that were, you know, Again, I was fairly secure, but I trained myself or was trained to be able to ride a motorcycle at that level and enjoy it and and uh, so on and so forth. But because I was away from it for 20 plus years and then now the invite and then the other thing about the invite was the bike that I was going to ride. I've never rid, you know, ridden a bike uh, that powerful. Uh, so the last bike I was on uh, was fairly powerful, but not as powerful as uh, the invite from my friend to ride his second bike. And so I was a little, you know, just a little nervous about it. And, but you know what? I accepted and I'm so glad I did. I got on the bike and with the exception of maybe the first, I don't know, five minutes or so, 
I was still a little nervous, no question about it. But I took my time and I purposely went a little slower. And then what happened, I started to feel that confidence or that security that I had from decades ago in riding motorcycles. It just kind of came on me. And over the course of the next hour or two, it kept on coming. By the time we got, because we went for like a long ride up into the mountains that day. And uh, so we went from, I don't know, 930 in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon kind of thing. And so a good couple hours in, and now I'm in it. I'm just having a blast. And one of the things I love to do is, you know, corner a bike. Um, and uh, I just, I was fully into it again. Uh, my wrists were sore as old get up, but by the end of the day, I could barely do the clutch uh, just because, again, I'd been so out of shape with riding a motorcycle. But the point in sharing that is that um, even when I was invited to go back again, I felt nervous. And, and that confidence that I had in riding motorcycles many years prior to, it never left. It just kind of got buried inside of me, but it never left. It was there all along. All I had to do was really put myself back into that zone, so to speak, of riding a motorcycle. And as I said, within five minutes, I could feel it come on. Within a couple hours, I was like, I was really having a great time. And, and so thrilled that both my friend had invited me to do this. And even though at the beginning, I kind of hemmed and hawed about it, but he you know, encouraged me, come on, come on, you can do this. He used to do it a lot before and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just so grateful to do it. And so I find that to be true with anything in life. Once we have learned how to do something, and so if we think prior or pre-COVID now, pre-COVID when we were out socializing, we were engaged in our job or our career, and we were interacting with people and getting on about our day and so on and so forth and standing up to whatever the challenges were that the day presented to us, we got through the day. We navigated through the day. Yeah, maybe sometimes there was maybe a couple extra hiccups there and we maybe got snafu'd on some of those hiccups. But the bottom line is we got through and then we get it. We then, you know, we get home and get back up in the following day and do it all over again. And so on and so forth to the point of like riding a bicycle where you just all of a sudden you just you start to have this confidence again uh, or the security in whatever that is that you're doing. And uh, to the point where you might even forget to have to even think about doing certain things because it's now it's automatic. It's again, you've, you've got that confidence, you've got that security inside because you've done it so many times. At some point, you just don't have to think about it that much. You just step in and then you do it. And, and if it's going back to work, you become productive again, or if you're out riding a motorcycle or maybe even a horse, again, after many years of not riding a horse, all of a sudden that skill, that confidence, that competence or that um, security, it, it, it returns because you earned it. It's already inside of you. So I think that's the starting point. That's the starting point for any of us that are getting ready to go back out into our worlds, to socialize again, to interact with people, whether it's going back to a job in an office building, or it's going out socializing with friends on a Friday evening, uh, or, or getting together at the beach, uh, or at the park on a Sunday afternoon with other family. Now, it's all of it will come back because that's what's inside of you. You've already done this before. So to in terms of moving forward and stepping in this, 
to remember two things. Number one, you can do this. You can do this. And you might even affirm that to yourself. Like, wait a minute, I can do this. And maybe speak to yourself in a way. I get it. I get we're a little nervous right now. I get we're a little anxious right now. And it's okay because we can do this or I can do this. We now are doing this. And then for you just to know that because you already have this inside of you, meaning that skill and that competence that goes along with that skill, it's all, it's all going to, it's all, it will all resurface more than likely within only minutes of you stepping back into an office building or within minutes of you stepping back into going out with a few of your friends to socialize again. It'll just come upon you because it's already inside of you. Soon as you come into that environment again, then that of what's already inside, that of what we've already earned or developed inside of us, it just simply returns. Again, going back to that idea of just even something as simple as riding a bicycle, it will return. And then should you choose to get really engaged in that again, then you just all of a sudden, not only do you get that security and confidence back and that skill back and all those kinds of cool things, but then maybe from there, you might want to expand it some. Uh, maybe you expand your social skills even more, or maybe you expand your skills at work even more uh, so that you um, strengthen your confidence or expand your inner confidence even more by doing so. Excellent. So now I have a question for you. For the person who's really gotten, like you would say, almost like agoraphobic at this point, because, you know, a year in isolation, some people haven't been interacting with pretty much anyone. And so that fear has set in more. What for a person like that, who this has become more extreme, what would be a good way for them to like start small? Would it be like trying to strike up a conversation at a grocery store or like trying to have some Zoom connections online or, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on somebody who's kind of developed a fear around this? Yeah, that's a really good question too. So to recognize that there's a fear there, number one, and that's what's producing the anxiety or the stress to move in this direction. So then just, you know, once again, to decide to do it because that's the right thing to do. It's like when somebody, speaking of a horse, when they fall off the horse, you know, if you have a coach, uh, or a horse trainer uh, close by, somebody's really skilled with horses. I mean, one of the first things you're going to do is get you back on the horse. Or if you race cars and you crash the car, one of the first things you're going to do, assuming you're okay and you don't need any physical, you know, medical attention kind of thing, or if you do, then you get the medical attention. As soon as you're done with that and you get your body back, I mean, you're encouraged right away, get back in the car, get back on the horse. And there's a reason for that because the sooner you get back on the sooner you get back in the saddle, let's say, of whatever the saddle is. So in this case, it's socializing. So the sooner you get back in the saddle, just the better it's going to be. So, but in that, you can also keep it simpler at the beginning. So maybe it is getting on a Zoom call. I would suggest that, you know, whoever the person is um, that's having an issue with this, maybe just get together with one or two friends and do go to a restaurant, do go to a lounge. Do go to where other people are around, but just with one or two people, so it's not too overwhelming. And go and have lunch, have dinner, uh, maybe have a couple of drinks or whatever it is that you enjoy doing uh, or did enjoy doing uh, in terms of those types of settings. But think of it as like a baby step, but take the step. Take the step and then try that out. So maybe that's a Thursday afternoon or a Thursday evening you go do that. 
And so in that, once you get back on the saddle and you start to re-experience that whole social environment again, leading up to it, you're going to feel nervous. Whatever fear is that could be, now be there, it's going to come to the surface. You can speak to the fear in light of what I said earlier on by saying, I know you're there. I know we're afraid. Just to simply acknowledge it. And we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to do this. Or I'm going to be okay. I'm going to do this. But keep it simple. Take it as a baby step, but take a step that's uh, forward moving. Forward moving. So if I've been in isolation a lot and now I want to get out, I probably don't want to go to a party just yet where there's a lot of music and, you know, 50 people and we're in somebody's house and everybody's rubbing shoulders and, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but I most certainly could go out with a friend where there's other people in that social environment, but where it's just not so overwhelming right away. So go slow. Or maybe you go to a movie together. You go to a movie together, maybe that's how it starts. Find something that that is a step. It's a It's a forward step to get you out of the isolation and go have an experience in that single forward moving step. And then once that happens, then obviously that'll come to an end. You'll return back home and so on and so forth. And then maybe the next week you do it again. Or maybe in the next five days you do it again. And again, it could be just with one or two friends. Take that on for a couple of times, just so you can start to get the feel for it again. But more specifically, as this fear comes to the surface, you can now work through the fear by stepping through the fear, doing the very thing that you're so afraid of doing. That's the key here. So I'm afraid to go back out and re-socialize. So now I'm going to go back out and socialize. I'm just going to keep it simple. One step at a time. One step at a time until that confidence starts to come back or that competence. I start to feel a little more comfortable with it. And maybe from there, should you be invited to maybe a house party or should you be invited to a larger gathering? As long as that feels right to you, then go for it. And again, you might find yourself being a little nervous just because you've been away from that for the last year, year and a half or so. But understand that's part of the process. Part of the process, no matter what it is that we used to do, if we get away from it and then we come back into it, at the very least, there's going to be some butterflies. There's going to be a little nervousness there. It's to be expected. It's okay. It's perfectly natural. It's all part of the process. Um, but that's a better strategy to step in rather than to stay isolated. Staying isolated, what then happens is whatever the fears are that maybe have been created over the course of this last year, year and a half or so, those fears just get stronger. That's all that's going to happen there. And so the sooner, again, going back to the sooner you can get back onto the saddle, the sooner you can get back into the race car, the sooner you can get back into whatever that was that you were doing, the sooner you get back in, the better it's going to be for you. Just do it in, in a baby step, at least the first, you know, the first couple of steps. Just have them be baby steps, just small steps, easy steps that are really relatively easy to manage, even though uh, you have a few butterflies in your tummy. And, but go for it anyways. Just go for it. Breathe. Breathe through it. Remember to breathe. I mean, literally, I'm, I'm not making a joke out of that. But remember to breathe. And, and if you can, more specifically, close your mouth and breathe through your nose, breathe through your nostrils five times. Take a deep breath or as deep as you can, have it be comfortable, but a deep breath 
through your nostrils five times, five times. So whenever that nervousness comes on, whenever that you feel that fear, whatever that, you know, that feeling is inside your body, go ahead and take those five deep breaths through your nostrils, close your lips and through the nostrils. That'll help you too, just to relax a little bit more while you're speaking to yourself around, I know I'm afraid, or I know you're afraid, meaning this part of you that's afraid. And we're going to do this because we're okay. This is the right thing for us to do. Like literally talk to yourself in a way like you would if you were talking somebody else through this exact same experience where that person is a little nervous, has butterflies, a little afraid, a little stress, a little anxiety. So talk them through it. In this case, you talk yourself through it. But do keep that first or maybe even the first two steps smaller rather than larger. It'll just make the lead up to it much easier and a lot more effective for you because if you go for too big of a step at the beginning and you really have been in isolation for the last year and a half or so, you go for too big of a step, you could literally abandon your path as you're leading up to whatever that event is going to be. And you could be like, you know, five minutes away and say, nope, this is too much. I just can't do this. I can't do this. And you turn around, and go back into isolation. So that's why the first couple of times out, it would be, at least in my view, the better strategy to purposely have those be small steps, but have them be forward-oriented steps. Right. And remember to breathe. Always remember to breathe. <laughs> Tape it on the mirror, as Dale yeah. says, if you can't remember. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or put it on the dashboard or even the dashboard of your automobile. There you go. Yes. So if somebody has really had this like grip them, as I know you talk about fear all the time and it being one of the biggest epidemics or pandemics on the planet, if this is truly like if they are in the throes of fear and maybe they were on their way somewhere and they turned around and went back home and, and they really just can't face this, you know, when, what is, what's the next strategy? Is that when they, you know, do they do some journaling? Do they reach out for help? Like what, if this has really gotten that escalated, what do they do then? Well, if they do turn back, and in this case, they go back to wherever it is they just came from, like as in isolation, then yes, uh, journaling could be really helpful at that point. Uh, um, and partly just because just the journaling, like getting that, think of it as energy. Think of your fear as energy. It's a unit of energy. Or your stress. It's, it's a unit of energy, a pocket of energy that's inside your body. And if you give that energy, or you were to give that energy, a healthy outlet, then what you're doing is you're giving that energy a direction to go somewhere that's healthy. So in this case, you're giving that energy a healthy direction, um, meaning your notepad, your journal pad. And so believe it or not, by you just writing out what you're really feeling. So if it's anxious, then you write out all the anxiety thoughts that you're having in that particular moment or anxiety or stressful feelings. You just write them out. What that is, I know it sounds really elementary, but it's very effective or can be very effective because that anxiety or stress or fear, all it really is, is energy. It's energy that's been locked up in our system, our physical system that is, energetic system, it gets locked up. And so now the fact that we're 
on our way to do something that has activated this energy. In other words, this energy now has kind of come up from somewhere deep inside the body, and it's all over the place. And our, our thoughts are going crazy, and, and we're now starting to think of some of the worst things that are going to happen, which, by the way, you know, when fear gets activated in this way, uh, most of what we're so afraid of, most of what we kind of convince ourselves is potentially going to happen, it never happens. It just never happens. And so, but it is an energy, this fear that is, or this stress. And because it's an energy, then something like journaling can help give that energy a direction. So where it can land someplace, it ends up being productive for you. Because when it lands on that piece of paper, via writing it out, what happens, that energy then can release instead of just staying inside of you and then causing these ongoing negative thoughts or fearful-oriented thoughts to run rampant in the screen of your mind, like go over and over and over again around this thing that we're now afraid of that we think is going to happen, even though it hasn't happened and probably never will happen. But nonetheless, it's just running like a, like a computer or like a program in our computer spinning out of control, like just around, like in a circle. And every time it does, it just, it just takes a lot of energy to keep this momentum going. So the journaling can be really helpful in that regard. Um, another thing you could do is, I mean, if you really ha do have um, a challenge by doing this, that wherever you're thinking of going, invite a friend to come along with you. Invite a friend that might not be as afraid as you are. Invite a friend that might not be as nervous about this uh, that you are. Or maybe they are nervous and maybe the two of you go together and somehow you are able to support each other just by being in each other's presence. Maybe that's what helps. And um, so that you go together, you have whatever experience you're going to have together. Then once you're on the other side of the experience, you can debrief, like basically, you know, talk about the experience itself. And that could be really beneficial because all that starts to bring back your confidence again. It brings back that security that you had prior to this period of, again, say, isolation over the last while. Um, and then slowly but surely, just, it, just, it, it, it will clear. That's the whole point. It will clear. And not only will it clear, I think it's also equally important to know that this energy that I keep alluding to, it wants to clear. It wants to clear. And if you can wrap your head around that, that this energy actually wants to clear. It does not want to stay inside of us. And it does not want to get stuck. It does not want to have us be snafu'd on it. It doesn't want any of that. It's an energy. It just simply wants to move. It maybe wants to be acknowledged and heard. And that's where, again, you can talk this over with your friend. Maybe you acknowledge to your friend when you're on your way to this social event. You know, gosh, I'm really feeling nervous right now. You know, it's like one of the cool things that happens when you're on your way to the chapel and you're about to get married and you have your best man, say, in the car and, and you're on your way and you're, you're really nervous. You're the groom and you've got your best man sitting in the car with you as you're driving to the chapel, you know, and he might even be a little nervous for you as well or maybe for himself. Maybe he's in somewhere in the future thinking about, you know, doing the toast at the reception and he's a little nervous about that. Well, the best thing the two of you can do is talk about it while you're driving to the chapel. 
just be honest, be open, be real. Like, you know what? Hey, dude, I'm feeling freaking nervous right now. I'm really scared. Sometimes just acknowledging it uh, changes the whole thing for the better. Just to acknowledge it. And of course, when you have a friend like that, especially if they're feeling a little nervous, then that gives them permission to open up. Say, yeah, I, I get it. I'm a little nervous myself. Or if they're not nervous, hey, what are you nervous about? Hey, you're going to be okay. I've got your back. We can do this, right? And all of a sudden, you start to settle down. So it's all okay. It's when we choose to keep this all inside and when we choose not even to acknowledge it as if, you know, we pretend like it's not even there when in fact it really is there. That's when it can really uh, uh, blow out of proportion and where it can really start to take over our minds and even our bodies and, and, and become a lot more scarier than what it really needs to be. Right. Okay. I was just thinking about the, the Sean's other part of the question, which was the, getting a job. So I'm thinking, okay, you can't take your friend to your job interview with you. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's think about this scenario for a minute. So say he actually gets to the interview and you know, he's really uptight and nervous. He hasn't really spoken to that many people, maybe besides his friend. And as he's been having these social conversations again, what would be a good strategy to relax? I was just thinking of that, you know, whole scenario of like picture people in their underwear when you're in the audience, you know, and that never worked for me, by the way, but I know it does for a lot of people. So, you know, what would be something that say he gets to the interview process and he finds himself a little tongue tied or, um, you know, really just having a hard time relaxing in this interview? What would your advice be for him knowing that he's come from from this uh, situation in just, you know, giving a better interview? Yeah, well, first of all, just understand that when you're going into anything new, there's an element, there's two elements at play. And the first one, there's an element of the uncomfortable. And it is uncomfortable because of the second element. And the second element is, in this case, the unknown. You don't know for sure what's going to happen in the interview. You don't know all the details. You don't know all the questions they're going to ask you yet. You don't know the outcome of this thing. You don't know how many people you're going to be not so much competing with, but where, you know, the company is looking maybe for one or two positions to fill and they might interview 30 people kind of thing. So you, you just don't know. Nobody knows. It, it's, the, it's the element of the unknown, which uniquely enough, most people, not just you, Sean, most people are terrified of. I, I work with a lot of people. And right across the board, the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them, they have a challenging time when it comes to that element of the unknown in their life. Now, in this case, we're talking about getting a job, but I could come up with 25 other different applications where their fear of the unknown gets exposed. Their fear of the unknown gets activated. So just know that's what it is. You're, you're, you're stepping into an environment where there's an, that element of the unknown. You really don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. And if you can make peace with that, meaning it's okay. It's okay. In fact, when we look at people who accomplish great things, every single one of them, there's this element of the unknown. And the big difference between them and the majority of others, or the, or the rest of the crew, if you will, is they're willing to go there. 
where the majority of them will not. And I know that to be fact, because again, I work with this a lot and, and I see it a lot with people and they struggle with this thing. And many times they will talk themselves out of it because they are terrified. They have not yet dealt with their fear of the unknown. Um, they have a difficult time or, uh, navigating through this element of the unknown. And then again, going back to the first one, there's also that element of the uncomfortable, that when you're going into an interview, it's like you're going to sit in a hot seat. So, you know, I train coaches how to become coaches. And, you know, we purposely put them in the hot seat. Uh, meaning everybody's fully conscious. Everybody knows exactly what my intentions are here. There is no hidden agenda when I'm teaching these people how to be better coaches or how to become coaches. And especially when the exercises that I've designed, they're all designed to put that new coach in the hot seat. I've taught leaders how to, I've used this technique with leaders who want to level up their leadership skills. I've taught all kinds of people and I've used this, I've got a body of exercises that I've designed over the years that specifically does that. We literally put them in the hot seat and we keep on putting them in the hot seat to eventually where they become actually somewhat comfortable around being in the hot seat. <laughs> and if and if you're in the room with us and you get to watch this happening, not just once, but numerous times, you will see, I mean, these people, they have a difficult time moving into the hot seat. Soon as soon as they become aware that they're getting ready to step in that hot seat, the moment they start thinking of the hot seat, they haven't even gotten up to sit in the hot seat yet, and they can start to perspire. They start to shake and tremble. They haven't gotten there yet. And, but it's so powerful because once you get in that hot seat and you, then you navigate through that hot seat, you come out on the other side and you feel like a million dollars. You feel so amazing. You feel so empowered. You feel much stronger about yourself and your relationship to that of your own world. And it's just an amazing thing. So, you know, when you're going in for an interview, it's you're 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 about to sit in the hot seat. It is what it is. But if you can recognize the value, the significance of the hot seat, that the hot seat in itself has this element of the unknown. It also has this element of the uncomfortable. But if in that you can just recognize, okay, so here I go again, I'm going into the element of the unknown. I'm going in the element of where it's possibly going to be a little uncomfortable because anytime you sit in a hot seat, it's, it, your butt's going to get hot. That's why we call it a hot seat, right? <laughs> but if you stay with it, something then happens. So that's number one. Number two is prepare for the interview. Like prepare for it. So, you know, not that you know all the questions that whoever's doing the interview is going to ask you, but you know the job that you're applying for you know the position that you're applying for. So prepare for it a little bit. And for example, most or at least people that really know how to interview well, what they'll often do in the interview, they'll ask you to do something that's out of the ordinary. As in, uh, they'll ask you to maybe sell yourself. And sell yourself means they'll ask you a question like, all right, um, uh, Sean, if I was to hire you for this position, 
Can you give me three reasons why you think it would be really beneficial for me to hire you into or put you into this position? Be prepared for that. Be thinking about that before you get the interview. Like, what are those three things that you know in your bones that if you had this position, that this is what they can count on because whatever these three things are, there's going to be a benefit there for them, whatever that benefit is. And so that's you basically selling yourself. You're not twisting their arm. You're not doing any of that kind of stuff to get them to say yes to you. What you're doing is you're positioning yourself. You're presenting yourself. You're going beyond just the application in your resume. Because you must remember, you know, whoever the employer is or whoever the interviewer is, you know, they're probably going to interview at least a dozen people for this position. So what's possibly going to make you stand out? So you don't have to try to be something you're not. Just get real with who you are. Get real with who you are and identify three things that you know that if you had this position, you would shine. You would shine because you know that about yourself, whatever these three things are. So write them down before you go to the interview and then maybe rehearse them a couple of times with your partner, with your wife, with your husband, with your best friend, so that you start to really feel comfortable with speaking about these three things with the idea being that there's a chance that the interviewer is going to ask you that question or a question like that. Or if they don't, you can step in at some point and you can say, you know, um, I don't know what the odds are of me getting this job. But I would love to share with you that if I did get the job, here are three reasons why I think I would be amazing in this position to help you grow your department, to help you grow your company. Any interviewer, if you were to present that question, they're going to like, if they're not already thinking of asking you that question, their chin's probably going to drop. In other words, you, you will get their attention in the best of ways, in the best of ways. And of course, they're going to they might be a little shocked, a little shocked, that is. And they're going to come back and say, yes, what are the three reasons? Go ahead, Sean, you've got the floor. <laughs> and so two things are going to happen there. Number one is, at this point, they're going to be wowed because very few applicants would even think of such a thing. That's number one. Number two, very few applicants would even do such a thing. And then number three, if the three things that you know in your bones, that you know in your gut, in your heart, that, you're, that you would really shine if you had this position, and therefore it would help them to grow or expand their department or become more effective in their department or more productive in their department, um, then whoever the interviewer is, you can be assured behind the scenes, whether you see it or not, they're going to be giving you some check marks so that when this goes into the next part of their process on who they're ultimately going to um, possibly call back in for a second interview, there's a real good possibility you will be called up because you will have just now stood out in the best of ways to that of whoever it is that's interviewing you. So lastly, I'll say to that, when you do it this way and you prepare, 
as well. It does something for you on the inside going into the interview because you have prepared, you have thought through, and more specifically in this case, these three things that you've come up with about yourself that you feel really connected to, um, that in itself is just, it's going to wreak some level of confidence from you outward because this is you knowing you as a professional and knowing the value that you can bring to this company and to then have an opportunity to communicate that to the interviewer, um, then the interview is probably going to respond in the way that I just suggested. And for you to take some kind of um, uh, like comfort in just knowing what I shared. I've worked with a lot of companies in the past. I've interviewed a lot of people. So I know a lot about interviewing. I know a lot about what companies look for. I know a lot about what the best interviewers in the country look for uh, or in a company that look for. And so that's just one of the things that you can do in setting yourself up to go in and, and potentially at least increase the odds of you not just performing really well in the actual interview, but then at the very least being called up for the second interview. Brilliant, brilliant advice. Wow, that was great, Dale. And, and by the way, you know, remember to breathe. And, you know, if you're still nervous, picture them in their underwear. <laughs> well, you know, the, the whole idea, the, yes, the, that's exactly it. The whole idea of picturing them in the underwear or in their underwear, I know that sounds kind of strange. Um, and, and I get it. But what it is, it, it's, it's, it's a technique for disarming. And more specifically, it's a technique for disarming your, your fear. That's what that is. There's other images that, you know, we've taught before as well to both lighten it up a little bit, but really what it is, it's helping to disarm your fear so that you can speak more from a place of your center rather than speaking from a place of your fear. So the idea here is you just, you just imagine that whoever the interviewer is, they're sitting there in just their underwear. Well, first of all, it kind of makes you laugh a little bit, but, but the other deeper thing it does, it starts to disarm the fear. Because what you're doing is you're actually really tricking your fear in a healthy way, in a positive way. You're tricking your fear. Hey, listen, why are we so afraid? This person's going to be sitting there in their underwear. <laughs> right? So it just helps to disarm. That's what it does, which then puts you back in your center or it can put you back in your center. That's really the objective is to get you in your center, to keep you in your center as you're stepping into that interview and then be able to speak from that place. That's where you'll always... Uh, you just do a better job in presenting yourself. I love it. I didn't even know this was something you would recommend. I was actually kidding, but I, I love it that you explained it and then uh, gave a good reason why. So thank you oh, for adding to that, Dale. Oh gosh, well, you haven't been through a lot of the business seminars yet, <laughs> and in the or at least and even in the fear seminars, you know where we're really going after the letting go of fears. And you no, know, I have again a handful of exercises there too. Some of them are just funny as old get up. <laughs> but but they're all designed to disarm. That's the whole purpose here. It's to disarm, and more specifically, it's to, to disarm the fear that's running rampant within the individual that, you know, sometimes that fear can get in the way and just in itself can cause some havoc or or cause the person to speak away from their center. And then therefore, in this case, the interviewer doesn't get the the the, the best picture of who this person could be for them as a professional. Right. So. Right. 
Absolutely brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation and I uh, got some great strategies to take away with you now, Sean, and anybody else who's listening to this podcast or watching. Uh, wow, Dell, what a great topic. Yeah, this was fun. This was it was fun. fun. <laughs> and thank you, Sean, for the great question. Yes, thank you, Sean is right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you found Dell's teachings helpful and you want to get more of them, then you might really like his free ebook that we have for you, 12 Simple Ways to Change Your Life in 30 Days. You can download it for free at dellhalloway.com forward slash practices. That's dellhalloway.com forward slash practices. In it, you'll find 12 simple ways explained to you in exact step-by-step -step fashion that will cause your life to move forward in the next month. Simply choose one of the practices, any one of them, do it for 30 days straight, and you'll see a new you begin to manifest. I am not kidding. Download your free copy today at dalehalawa.com forward slash practices. Oh, and by the way, if you know anybody who might find this content helpful, please share it with them. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next time.